Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books, the podcast that features conversations with writers of all types. Today's episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books has been sponsored by The Craft Studio. With locations in New York City, on the Upper East Side, and in Tribeca, The Craft Studio is a perfect place to bring your kids for some crafting fun. CraftStudioNYC.com. I'm very excited to be talking to Amy Blumenfeld today. Uh, Amy is a first-time novelist, the author of The Cast, and she's written for The New York Times, HuffPost, O, The Oprah Magazine, Prevention, and People. She has contributed to two nonfiction books and has appeared on MSNBC, Fox News, and other media outlets. Graduate of Barnard and Columbia University School of Journalism, Queens-born Amy now lives on Long Island with her husband and daughter. The cast was the gold winner of the 2018 Ippy Awards, which is independent publisher book awards in popular fiction. So I'm thrilled to welcome Amy. So welcome, Amy. Thanks so much for being on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thank you for having me. <laughs> um, Amy and I were just chatting about how frazzled I was, but anyway, now we're all uh, calm and ready all to go. Good. All good. <laughs> Sometimes. Happens. Um, okay, so you're the author of the cast, which was beautiful and amazing. I really, really enjoyed reading it. Um, okay. I brought it on my trip to Greece, which was like on my wish list forever. So to have this book like in all my pictures with me, it was like, Aww. now I feel like it was like a, a guest on my, on, on my trip, which is one of my fondest memories. So um, tell listeners, if you don't mind, what the cast is about and how you came up with the idea for your book. The cast is about a group of childhood friends um, who rally around one of their friends. They were in ninth grade. Um, when she gets sick, uh, she has cancer. 
and they realize that they are not doctors. They cannot heal her with medicine, but they can certainly make her laugh. So they create this Saturday Night Live style videotape called Becca Night Live, and it's 90 minutes full of skits and line dances and hola more and silliness, and they just, they bring it to her in the hospital and they keep her laughing. And then 25 years later, she recovers, she's fine. 25 years later, they reunite over the course of a July 4th weekend at a house in the Berkshires, and, you know, nothing goes according to plan. And all of their lives are sort of at a crossroads, and they're there for each other. So you structured the book in the present with alternating viewpoints um, from all the different characters, um, and they highlight some aspects of life and growing older. How did you craft the different narratives? Like, did you have the message first, like, follow your heart, or did you have character types in mind first? How did you do it? It's a bit of a story. (laughs) Um, For this novel, the first thing that I did was create the characters. So when I turned 40, my friends and I were all sort of having these big discussions about where we were in our lives, what we hoped to accomplish, you know, discussing relationship issues and marriage and parenting issues and all of those, you know, career. And they're really interesting stories. And I'd had this idea for a book for years, um, and it just wasn't taking off. It wasn't clicking. Um, So what I decided to do was take the stories that were relatable that I felt like people like you and I would relate to Mm -hmm. and make a fun, thought-provoking, smart, but a fun beach read and book club fiction. And so I took the issues that my friends and I were struggling with and I put them into the book. But this book really started as a form of nonfiction. When I was in graduate school for journalism, my, um, my professors said, you know, you need to write a master's project and you need to choose a topic that will keep your interest going throughout the course of the year. True to form, I had no idea what I wanted to write about. I left it to the day before the deadline. And it happened to be the day before the deadline was when I had my annual checkup at Sloan Kettering. It's, I mean, it's no secret that I had cancer as a child. And um, I went for my checkup and I'm sitting there in the waiting room and I have my little reporter's notebook and I'm jotting down different ideas and nothing is clicking. And the woman sitting right next to me was there with her daughter. It was their first visit at the hospital. And the woman is, you know, nervous, and she starts talking to me, and she's like, oh, are you waiting for somebody? And I said no, and I pulled up my sleeve, and I showed her the ID bracelet on my wrist. And she was sort of blown away, and she wasn't blown away by me, Amy. She was blown away by, you know, what I represented, which was hope for herself and for her daughter and their family. And so I started talking to them, although her daughter was kind of quiet, but she was, you know, which was exactly the way I was at that age. Um, but she was asking me all these questions. So after my appointment, I spent the remainder of the afternoon just hanging out with them and answering her questions. And I knew after that afternoon that I had a topic for my master's project. And I walked back home to the, <laughs> the other side of the park, <laughs> just, you know, brainstorming different angles. And I knew that there was a story here about adult survivors of childhood cancer and, you know, the you know, the challenges that they all go through. And so I spent the next few months interviewing, you know, childhood cancer survivors, their families, their loved ones, doctors, you know, social workers. um, And it was fascinating. There really is this ripple effect um, that affects not just, you know, the patients, but their families and their friends. 
And so at graduation, my professor said, you know, you really should consider turning this into a book. Mm -hmm. And I suspect he meant either a form of nonfiction, like a memoir or, or like a compilation of interviews. And I, I, for years, I would write, you know, I, I was interviewing people. I flew to California to interview someone. I, you know, I'd write a, these little chapters, but it didn't come off the page. It just didn't click. And it wasn't something that I would want to read. It was becoming a cancer book, and I didn't want to read a cancer book. I mm -hmm. wanted to read something that was fun and uplifting, but smart and mm -hmm. thought-provoking and had a message. And so, like I said, when I turned 40, my friends and I were having these conversations, and I said, why don't I create fiction? Why don't I try this? I've never done it before, but try writing a novel that, based on these characters that were relatable, but would take those messages and those good nuggets from the Master's Project and just sort of weave it all together. And that's wow. how it came to be. Wow, what a story. That's so nice, what happened with, in the waiting room. Do you keep in, did you ever keep in touch no. with them or anything? No. No. It was one of those just, you know. Like meant to be. Meant yeah. to be moments. Oh, my gosh. And so the interviews that you did for the Master's Project and all that, did you refer back to them when you were writing? Like, to... Yeah, in my head, yes. I mean, I didn't, I didn't go back and call these people. No, no, I meant so like years later. No, I mean just like yes, flipping through. Did you like pull it out? Was it on yes. your desk while you were? Yes, and it was just in my head. I remember all of them. You know, I remember going to those those group meetings, the support group meetings, and interviewing these people. And you know, there there are these physical and emotional long term effects. That, you know, you're very fortunate. I'm very fortunate, and the rest of us are to be in the generation that's surviving this. It used to be that it was a death sentence and now the cure rates have skyrocketed. But, you know, there are side effects in treatment, you know, and the experience doesn't end when you walk out those hospital doors for your last treatment and you're declared in remission. So what are some of the effects both for the patient as a child and also for the family and loved ones? What are some things that you... So some of those things I tried to bring into the characters mm -hmm. and, you know, and so... Becca and her friends, they, they all sort of deal with it differently. Yep. You know, one character has a little bit of this obsessive-compulsive disorder and everything needs to be, you know, organized and mm -hmm. perfectly arranged because she couldn't control what was going on then, so she's trying to control her life now. Another character in the book um, f sort of was drawn to religion and felt a need to just, you know, change her life. And um, another character went the opposite direction and felt like, how can I have a, an observant life and be raised in this when bad things happen to good people? Mm -hmm. And so you have a variety. And then an, another character in the book says, who's a straight-A student and super smart, and she said, forget this. This is, what's life about? It's about family. It's mm -hmm. about, you know, being with someone, and, and it's not about, you know, running and achieving, you know, all of these career dreams. And then another character has the opposite. Mm -hmm. And she says, you know what, I want to, you know, I, I want to go for the gold. I want to have that business that I've always dreamed of because life is short and let me achieve this. And so they're all sort of going in different directions. And that was sort of based on the people that I've spoken to. That's so creative. So you just took all the paths and instead of writing an article like here are the five things that can happen when no, you know uh, yeah. it's more like let me immerse you in these experiences and these emotions and take you down the different paths yeah the book was sort of sitting in me and I didn't know how it was going to turn out mm -hmm. but since and I never grew up saying oh I want to write a book that was never part of the agenda um, but when my professor said that to me you know it sort of just 
he planted a seed, and it just sort of over the years it didn't go away. Right. And but you never. But you did go to journalism school, so you wanted to be some sort of writer. Yes. I'm guessing. Yes. Just not a novelist. No. What kind of writer did you start out wanting to be? Well, originally I wanted to be Katie Couric. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I went. Um, I focused in on broadcast at Columbia, and huh. I did my internships at Eyewitness News no and way. at the Weekend Today Show. Um, but then I realized when I was in school that, you know, it's a very different style of writing broadcast for print and even within print in magazine versus newspaper. Yeah. Um, and I just, I wasn't as good at the broadcast. <laughs> I, you know, it was a natural fit for me with the magazine style. Okay. So I went into magazines after. Um, and then you freelanced a lot for magazines. Yes. I worked at American Health was my first job. And then I went to George Magazine and then after George folded, um, I had been writing a piece for George about the children of former U.S. presidents and what it's like to grow up in the White House. And so we folded with that issue. Mm-hmm. And the editor-in-chief, Frank Lolly, who was lovely, he said, you know, let me see if people would be interested. So he arranged a meeting at People. They said, okay, yes, you can continue to work on this for us. Hmm. And then there was a story about the Bush daughters um, at the time, this was years ago, mm-hmm. and they put a picture of them on the cover and then linked it up to this piece that I had been working on. Oh. So it ended up there, and from there I started freelancing. That's great. And then you continued doing that even when you had your daughter? or A little bit, yeah. I pulled back a little bit, but I still did a few here and there, and then I decided, you know what, I really want to do this book, and I didn't know how it was going to happen, but, you know, when I turned 40, that's yeah. when I, it all came together. And did you do anything to sort of teach yourself how to write fiction? Did you, like, go online and read an article about it, or you just tried it, or how did, no, how did you I, try it? I actually found, uh, I tried it, yep. and I realized, I don't know if it's just my personality or the journalism background, but I needed a deadline. Mm-hmm. I needed an editor. I, I was not going to be one of these people who could write the entire manuscript mm-hmm. and then give it off to an editor. I needed, you know, chapter by chapter, I needed some feedback. Yep. And so I found an editor, a book coach editor, mm-hmm. who was terrific, and she, she did exactly that. She held my hand and said, okay, next Tuesday, you're sending me chapter one. So I would write that, I would send it to her, and while she was rev- you know, going over it, I would write the next chapter, and then we would switch back and forth, and that's how I got through the process. <laughs> wow. So then how, did, how long did that all take? took a year to write the first draft. Okay. Then it took a year to revise it. Okay. And then, you know, then the publishing process. And then what happened after that? So you had the finished manuscript. So the finished manuscript, and then that wasn't even the finished product. Right, finished round one. (laughs) It was round one, then there was round two. Um, And then I I sent a blind pitch to um, my agent, and um, on a Friday morning, I didn't think she would respond, but she did, and... Um, she read it over the weekend and then Monday she got back to me and then we revised it even more. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and then, you know, and then what happened? Then I want to know the whole story. The whole, the whole yeah, story? yeah, I, I would, if you don't, it's I mean, interesting. Yeah. Um, so we, she then pitched it to a bunch of the major publishers. Mm-hmm. We came close with two. We mm-hmm. got to second rounds with two of them. Then they passed both of them. So she said, well, we can continue to pitch it to smaller houses. But I was frustrated. I was looking at the timeline, and I want my parents to be able to, you know, shep nachas and, <laughs> and appreciate this yeah. and see this come to fruition and know that this was a dream that they were able to be there and cheer on for. And I said, you know what? 
I had a friend, actually two, I knew two people, a good friend and then a friend of a friend who had published with a place called Spark Press, mm -hmm. which is a hybrid. And they, I looked into it. There what does that mean, a hybrid? It's a mix of traditional publishing and independent publishing. And so they, um, really smart people who were veterans in the business, and they knew that there needed to be a different model. And so I looked into it. I sent them my manuscript, and my friends had been very happy with it um, and had a lot of success. So I figured I had nothing to lose. I sent it to them. They said yes, you know, and... We took it from there, and it's been a partnership. It's been it's been really a wonderful process. So I I I don't feel like I'm flying solo at all because they are there to guide me. They have a whole structure in place. They they have artists who do the cover. They have and you, you know you, you discuss it with them, and, and they guide you with the publicity. And they put me in touch with Anne Marie at Get Red PR, who's mm -hmm. my publicist, who's phenomenal. And so it's very professionally run very smart people and I, I I'm very happy with the process and have you since you've published it have you heard from other cancer survivors or just any it just came out so it's I know days, <laughs> but um not yet okay <laughs> but you know I'm sure you will it came out two days ago two weeks ago. two weeks ago yeah, yeah I was like I didn't think okay yeah. well I'm sure you'll be flooded um uh with um with feedback and everything <laughs> um speaking of your parents so um, you in the book you do such a beautiful job with talking about Becca's parents and there was one passage I wanted to read um, from it was when Becca was was shaking so violently from the chemo that her footboard was banging against the wall and chipped the paint and you wrote I remember mom throwing her five foot two inch frame atop my blankets pinning down all 87 pounds of me with the force of a professional wrestler and in a single breath emitting the most desperate string of words I had ever heard don't you dare leave me god damn it Becca you stay with me do you understand don't you do this and even even reading I mean I was almost crying when I was was reading this because I guess you know I could see my own mother in that situation I could see me doing that with my own daughter you know mm -hmm. was that a scene that came from your life or it was that's that yeah, happened to you that happened. oh yeah that was the day of um there were you know it's very vivid I remember you know everything and again this is a work of fiction it's totally inspired mm -hmm. by my life there were a couple of scenes that I took um, that I incorporated, that was one of them. Okay. Because it was a powerful scene. Mm -hmm. um, and I sort of, it, it captured, you know, the feeling of the moment. Um, but, again, the the friends, I did not have a group of friends um, that were, you know, five friends that created a video. There was a video that was created for me, but mm -hmm. it was by 40 people. Oh, wow. Uh, Ten families from our synagogue community in Queens, my parents' friends and their kids. Um, so that was one of the sources of inspiration for the book also. But... Um, but yeah, that, that happened and it was the day that they, they did the transplant, the bone marrow transplant. I just had a headache and I was tired, <laughs> but you know, if you close your eyes and you turn away and your parent doesn't know, that's Aww. what happens. Have you seen lingering effects with your own parents? My parents are made of steel. Aww. They're incredibly, they're the best. They're Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed, be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything. It might be time to work on those things, and I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help. And I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy. And you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time the best they're sweet kind wonderful intelligent people um but i still don't know how they did what they did and do they does their relationship with your daughter is that how you formed the character the it was inspired by it's not exact but well it's okay a, yeah it's yeah i mean it's it's not an exact right. relationship but and how old were you when you found out you had cancer when you 13. were younger 13 i guess did you do any writing at the time Nope. About it? No. 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 Uh, just normalcy. Wanted normalcy. Just focus on doing my homework, getting, you know, back to school, you know, just day to day. And I didn't. Um, and did you have to, you went through chemo and everything? I went through chemo. I had radiation. I had a bone marrow transplant. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm so sorry. No, no, experience. it's all good. It's no, all I good. know, I know. It's, like, amazing and inspiring to overcome it, but that you've had to go through this. It's a lot... It's character building. It did, and, yes. you know, I, based on my uh, aptitude at high school chemistry, I knew that I was not going to medical school. So there's a need to give back, and I knew that I had to give back in some way. And so if I can give back and just shed light onto the, you know, to this experience and to the, the ripple effect and the long-term effects through writing a book yeah. um, that's, you know, inspired by but not exactly my experience and speaks to other experiences too I try to incorporate you know not just my experience but other people's experiences right. into this book. and I'm sorry to keep harping I mean it, this book is not just about no, no. illness it's in fact I, no, it's all, I'm, it's about now I'm like magnifying that for in our discussion so far because I was interested in that but um you could read this not as that type of book at all it's I mean as you said no. a, like a smart thought-provoking tree type book no I purpose so, yeah I yeah. purposely did not write a cancer book I right. wanted this to be as, as you said, thought-provoking, yeah, yeah, so. um, but it's it's really about friendship and the power of, of friends to sort of buoy you and keep you afloat during these difficult times in life. 
I thought you did a lot of the um, writing that really, I mean, I, I could see why you took this from your conversations with your friends, because I feel like some of the marriage discussions um, about all the different relationships, like, I feel like I've... I feel like I've, I've been a part of some of those conversations. One of these, one was with Becca with her own husband um, and sort of her insecurity with him about her illness. Um, not to keep talking about the illness, but you wrote, um, I was a risky stock. Yes, I looked pretty and polished, just like his friends' wives, but if you scratch below the surface, I was different. I wondered if, deep down, he felt he'd gotten a lemon. Do you think that's something that the cancer survivor like people who have been sick feel or you just anybody I yeah think anybody I with baggage I don't I know anything <laughs> so to, you know, specific to the cancer experience that's true yeah okay well anyway I uh it was nice to to see you, it on paper <laughs> yeah you wrote it in a nice way like you know Thank does you. Do, does he know like anyway um um, and then, you know, as you said, another couple becomes Orthodox Jews. They went to a teen tour in Israel, and, and um, yet, ironically, or not ironically, but just they end up having to go through 15 years of IVF, which you also wrote about um, in great detail, um, both through having a surrogate for one couple and IVF for another couple. Um, you know, they say they were, quote, denied the ability to fulfill the mitzvah, to be fruitful and multiply. Um, and you have faith sort of playing a big role in this book, also, how do you think, how did you intend to have faith play into the story? Um, I, you know, I, I, I'm very familiar with Judaism. I grew up in an observant home. I went to a Jewish day school. Um, my daughter goes to a Jewish day school. I lived in Israel for a while. So it's very much a part of my fabric. And I wanted to, you sort of write what you know a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so I, I wanted, to, and I find it fascinating because I, I, I also see the people that I grew up with sort of going in different directions. Some are going towards a more observant life. Some are going the opposite way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I thought they were fascinating discussions. And it's a day-to-day thing with Judaism, with kosher, you know, being kosher. Mm-hmm. Um, or even, like, in the, there's a scene in Babies Are Us where this observant, yeah. you know, she's not, she's creating a baby registry. And she's now at 40 on the cusp of parenthood. And um, she's finally there after so many years of trying. And... She's now a month shy of giving birth, and she says, you know, I really had a great upbringing. I want to do some things the way that I was raised, Mm -hmm. which is different than this observant life that I'm now leading. And so she's sort of questioning how she wants to parent and what does she want to expose her child to in terms of observance um, and how much. And so I find those conversations, you know, fascinating. And I, that was another thing I wanted to bring into the book was that there's no right or wrong answer to so many of these issues. Mm-hmm. There's a medical crisis. There's a marriage that's sort of on the rocks. There's a religious question of observance. And, you know, I grew up in a family of lawyers and everybody playing devil's advocate. And, <laughs> you know, Sounds and, familiar. And everyone, you know, there's this, you know, when you respect and love someone, and how do you agree to disagree And uh, when there's no right or wrong answer? And so I sort of wanted to bring that tension into the book. Um, and how these people resolve these gray areas when, you know, obviously things are not black and white. Um, your character, Lex, um, who I think you made, that was like a particularly crystal clear, like I'm viewing her in a movie kind of portrayal of a character. Um, <laughs> so she is in a marriage that looks perfect on the outside with like all the trappings that she ever wanted, the country club, the jewelry, the nice house, the kids, but she's miserable on the inside. Um, and ultimately I won't give anything away. You know, you have her 
you know, sort of have to come to some sort of decision about this stage of her life. Anyway, she says, um, you'd look at us and never know how far we've strayed from what we were. We know how to smile for the cameras at school plays, which by the way, you would see if you had Instagram or Facebook, but do we talk to each other the moment the valet closes our car door and we head home after a dinner party? No, I don't remember the last time the two of us were alone and laughed. And I feel like so many couples can relate to this moment. I, I mean, um, it's such a, you know, you can just see them sitting there in the car yeah. with it closed. Yeah. Um, and even the whole, like, you know, a lot of people have been saying how they feel with Instagram and social media, like, that they feel worse about themselves because everybody oh, looks so, it's so happy. And happy and perfect. Yeah. yeah. I was even thinking yesterday, I had, like, the worst day, and I was having some issue with one of my children, which, of course, just, like, derails everything, right? And I was like, no one would know because I went through all day yesterday with like a big smile on my face and dropping off and picking up. And it's only at the end of the day when I'm like alone in the kitchen where I'm like, I can like let it down. And I'm like, I'm not the only one doing this. Like everybody is running around, not to say I'm trying to hide anything. Like, you know, it's not a big, not, you know, it's just like what everybody has to do. We just like have to go through the motions and keep it all together and put a smile, right? Anyway, that was a long, (laughs) um, did you, like, that scene in the car, did you have any experience no, like that? No, that, that I completely created. Okay, all right. That I completely created. Um, what do you think about this whole, like, need to sort of put on a happy face, so to speak, to There's the outside so world? There's so much pressure. There's just too much pressure, especially on kids. You know, I, my daughter just, just, she's 12, um, and just got Instagram, and, and it's only, and it's not even that she wants it. Mm-hmm. It's that she, you know, she, all of her friends are doing it, and they're saying, "Why aren't you? Why aren't you on them?" So she, you know, it's just, it's ridiculous and so much pressure. Um, and I, just be authentic, and that's another theme in the book too, is that just listen to your gut, be who you are, you know, and just be authentic. Yeah, it's not that easy. Though. It's not that easy. It's hard. Also, nobody wants to hear all your stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you go to pick up a drop-off and you're like, oh my gosh, listen to what happened. <laughs> yeah, how are you? Yeah. No one's really asking. They're right. just saying. I guess it's like the power of having close friends and husband you can talk to yeah. and a close family. and mm-hmm. ho- However you can... They keep you afloat. They keep you, you afloat. Exactly. You need a cast. Everybody needs a cast. Aw. <laughs> True. Everybody should get like a little playbill, you know, right. like fill it in. You can like change. I feel like, especially over time, like Believe not that, him. not that anybody, it, maybe some of the lead characters go to supporting characters and then right. new characters come in it and shifts over time, right? Every, yeah. um, yeah. anyway, um, you also, your character of Seth, um, I th- also thought was interesting because he went to Princeton and was this like go getter and whatever, and then decided, you know what, I'm, I'm dropping out. I can't deal with mm-hmm. this, and and sort of goes a different path at life. Ends up a success in his, you know, with the, what he chose. But you know, with that, where you're just trying to show just another reaction to, you know, a friend with cancer, or just the many ways that life can go. Both. 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 I mean, I know plenty of people who sort of, you know, thought they had to follow this this certain path and drove themselves crazy to get straight A's, and then ultimately were just falling apart later on. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you know, it, it, yes, and, and or it could be a, a side effect of seeing a friend at a young age struggle and face death and say, what is this really all about? And why am I putting all this pressure on myself to be the valedictorian of the class and to get into an Ivy League school? What's the ultimate goal here? Mm-hmm. Life is short. 
So I'm going to enjoy it, and I'm not going to make myself crazy. Ultimately, he was smart, and he figured it out his path. And, you know, he didn't go to medical school. He became a physical therapist. But, you know, it it all worked out in the end. Speaking of the end, the end of the book, I could not believe the way you ended it. I was like, anyway, (laughs) I'm not going to give it away. But um, in general, like, you chose to end it a certain way. Why, why, like, why? <laughs> what, what message, like, what, what message did you want people to come away with? Like, if that particular thing had versus hadn't happened, is it, is it more just like, my takeaway was, you never know, let's appreciate life. Exactly. Is that what you were That's going exactly for? It. All right, good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You hit it. <laughs> okay. Um, well, it was definitely like, you know, one of those times where I like yeah. sat up in bed and I was, I was like, what? <laughs> What happened? Oh my gosh! Um, uh, tell me a little bit more. You had um, one of the characters have a baby via surrogate, and that's. Are you open to talking about? It? So you you went through this experience yourself, and then what was it like, sort of writing about something that was so personal to you? I mean, obviously, all of this is personal re- to you. But, yeah. Well, and you, I know that, you've written articles. Yeah, and, no, I've written articles about it because I really think that's a fascinating ripple effect. Um, is like I said, you know, it affects the patient and the, and the family, but then it also affects the spouse right. later on and then the child ultimately. Mm-hmm. And so I knew um, that I never wanted to lie to my daughter about how she came into this world mm-hmm. and we could not be more proud of the process. I feel incredibly lucky and grateful that it worked the first time. Um, and I wanted her to feel that same pride. And so when she was about two and a half, I think, she was, my sister-in-law was pregnant and a good friend of mine was pregnant and she said, where are the pictures of, I want to see pictures of me when I was in your belly. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, you know, and I planted this seed Mm -hmm. um, and I, because I wanted it to be on her level. And so I said, well, it was sort of like baking a cake. You know, daddy and I were the ingredients, but the oven was broken. And so we had to put your cake into somebody else to bake. And nine months later, you came out on your birthday and that's when the cake was ready so that's how it started and then it grew from there and so as she got older she asked more and more questions um and then she because we had pride mm-hmm. and were proud of the process she you know she felt the same way and so the a funny story is when she um <laughs> she was in kindergarten and they were having free play time during recess and her friends were all putting these baby dolls under their shirts, and she didn't. And so her friend said, where's your baby? And she's like, oh, my friend is carrying it. <laughs> my baby's oh. the baby. They're like, huh? I thought you were, were going to say she put the baby in the oven. No, no, no. <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> no, she said, my friend is carrying <clears throat> So, P.S., the next day, I pick up one of the other moms comes up to me. She's like, so my daughter said, you know, she had some interesting story about... Mia was telling her about how she was born. So my daughter, age five, is, like, teaching about third-party reproduction (laughs) in kindergarten. And then that makes me think, okay, well, then what's the responsibility that I have or that the school has? Because if a child who I'm instilling this confidence and pride in then starts telling her little buddies in school, and then the parents come to the principal and say, you know, why is my child learning about third-party reproduction in kindergarten? That's a whole other ball of wax. <laughs> so it's just, it's again, it's part of this ripple, um, which I thought was fascinating. Have you thought about doing a children's book with that theme? I thought about that. You should do that. I thought about that. Because, um, like, 
I mean, it's more and more common. Oh, it's so much more common even now than it was, you know, 12 years ago. And even just for kids who weren't born via surrogate, you know, they're very aware of kids who, you know, and I love that analogy. Like, it's such a good analogy. I can, like, see the the cake-making one. Yeah. Anyway. No, it, it was, it worked. It worked. It helped her. And so that's your new, that's your next assignment. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm kidding. But, um, do you have another book that you're interested in doing or what, what what are you thinking of doing from here? Not that you need to be doing anything else. This book just came out and it's amazing. The the publicity, you know, part of this is, is sort of taking over, which is great, but it's also ironic given that I'm sort of an introvert. So Mm -hmm. that a lot of writers tend to be, (laughs) so to have to go out and you know, do that. But I'm very grateful for all of it. Um, I would love to write a sequel. Um, but I haven't started, I mean, I have ideas for it and I've started jotting things right. down. With the same cast. Same cast, but I would shift the focus and I would focus on some of the other characters, mm-hmm. not necessarily Nolan and Becca. Okay. Um, but some of the supporting cast members. That would be cool. But we'll see. We'll and see. what what uh, what put, what exciting publicity events do you have coming up? Are you, are you looking forward to anything? We have a bunch of... Um, of book signings coming up. We did, um, doing your podcast, which is, this is amazing. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> this is the best thing on the whole tour. No, <laughs> like, ama- like a bunch of really fun, um, really fun things that we've done CBS and whatever. Oh, that's awesome. So, but it's been great. Um, no, but I'm, I'm very grateful that it's, you know, that people are willing to have me like you. Oh my gosh. Thank you. It's my pleasure. And I'm so glad we were introduced and I really enjoyed reading your book. I really thank did. You. And, um, oh, you know, you. the characters really stuck with me and some of the moments and the scenes are, um, you just, they were so vivid. So it was, um, it was great. And the, it's such a, like what you're doing, it's like a mitzvah, what you're doing, you know, giving back the, to the people going through this and, um, the, the other survivors and yes. not that this is a cancer, but you know, for that's any people who have gone through anything traumatic in childhood, you know, this is just nice. It's, that's to, exactly it. It's not just a cancer experience. Yeah. It's 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 any life changing big experience that you experience with your friends right. at a young age, yeah. and to to see what happens to all of them later on. Yep. So that was the goal, and if I can, you know, shed some light on that and make it a fun read at the same time, then. Check. Check. <laughs> Check plus for today. Check. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time thank and for you. coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Of course. This episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books has been sponsored by The Craft Studio, craftstudionyc.com. With locations on the Upper East Side and in Tribeca, it will fill all your crafting needs for you and your kids. <laughs> catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.